Can you believe that we are almost in Holy Week? It's coming and it's coming quicker and quicker and quicker. I think I think what we're about to talk about is the last Sunday of Lent before Palm Sunday. Is that right? Yeah, I think this is it. Because well, <laughs> if wild. it was yeah, if it was uh the scrutiny readings that we were doing, mm-hmm. uh we would be reading today the resurrection of Lazarus Lazarus, which is right before Palm Sunday. Uh, no way. Yeah, yeah. But in fact, we're not going to do that because I think you and I are both following year C. That's right. That's right. Although the last two masses that I've gone to have been scrutiny masses. Not celebrating. Uh, oh, yeah. But um, yeah, so I, I've only heard the Gospels from year C. I haven't heard any of the scrutiny ones uh, this year. Um, which I got to say, I, uh, I have missed them because I think they're really good. But I have taken advantage of like the first reading, for example, last week with Exodus and the burning bush and then you know the gospel of the prodigal son today was awesome like to preach on that that should be one of the scrutiny readings i mean this is so so typical of how those scrutiny readings work it's like these long chapters of you know like epic proportion you know yeah. um yeah one of the things that i'm pretty sensitive to is um you know how people take pr- priests and preachers take a lot of care in the way that their uh homilies are delivered like the the actual um like the the rhetoric of it, if you will. Yeah. Um, I don't always find that the same care is taken into, and I've talked about this before, into the way in which we proclaim the gospel or pray the words of the mass. Like, oh, sure. You know, sometimes when you get into one of these super long readings, like it just becomes unbearable because it's read so poorly, because it's proclaimed so poorly. That's right. That's right. That's right. I was actually, I was thinking about that today. Did that happen at your mass? This week wasn't so bad. Last week was, it was, it was rough. Right. Um, Right. And part of that is, I mean, I hate to say it. Part of that is just preparation. You know, we can, we can get into this habit of, oh, I've read that story so many times. I got this. But really, and this is true for all of the prayers of the mass, they really require a lot of preparation to, to not just to read through, but to actually say through. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. One of the things that, uh, and this might not be like an honest distinction, but it's helpful for me in my mind is the difference between reading and proclaiming. It's like, well, what does it mean to proclaim the reading that you have before you instead of just reading it? Um, and I think speaking about it that way is somewhat helpful. And so like today I, I had actually three masses today and one, one of the masses I had a deacon and he, he read the gospel for me. Um, and I was thinking about that while he was reading it because he just read very differently than I do. And, Especially, especially since I was going to be the one preaching, I was thinking to myself, like, man, the things that I would certainly emphasize in my natural reading of this text, uh, knowing well what I'm going to preach about, I would be emphasizing all different kinds of things and making it to where this is coming alive. And it's not just like a drudge through a very long text because it's a long thing, mm-hmm. you know, especially with these very long gospels. Like you had the Samaritan woman at one of the scrutinies, you had the blind man, and now Lazarus's resurrection as well. Like these long gospels, if you're not reading them with some kind of rhetoric or some kind of, I don't know, uh, style, then it can be a very much a slog. And don't get me wrong, it can certainly go sideways in that direction as well. You know, the people who think that, you know, let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Like, okay, give me a break. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, so it can't be too stylized to be a... a, a um, a caricature of itself. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 
Um, so you had the scrutiny reading today of the man born blind. Was there any nugget from the gossip from the homily that uh, you remember? Well, the first five minutes was really good. He was talking about um, darkness and spiritual darkness, how that can how that can infect our lives, and kind of what we were talking about this call to become a new creation, to become. Uh, he didn't use this language, but it certainly is something that Tolkien and Lewis would have used to become a mirror or a, a, a lens to refract that light. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah, that's kind of the call of the Christian. Good, good. Yeah, I had, And then he kept um, going, and I kind of lost interest. <laughs> after five minutes, yeah, it's difficult to... I, I, fi- I find that the length... One thing I'm realizing, my insecurities about the length of a homily it, are not misplaced, but I think that the one of my friends was telling me that the, the real issue is not how long it is. That is an issue, and it can certainly be an issue, but... Uh, it's also a, one variable among many. And another one of those variables is like, is what you're saying good? <laughs> it's yeah. like, are you like after five minutes, it might be that it's like, it's too long, but it might also be that it's just like you had your one thought and you said it and now stop. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're not saying anything more. Um, I, I ended up preaching, uh, in actually both English and Spanish. And I, I had my, my typical issue of like, Oh, how am I going to, how am I going to say this again? Uh, because I don't write it down. And so I had to, I, luckily, since I put them out on YouTube, I, I listened to them again before I, uh, I preached them. And so it was mostly the same, but both of, both of them were actually getting at what you were trying to, uh, think about at the very beginning of Lent, which is, is there a theme throughout all of the Sunday readings? And so I've been doing a really, uh, intentional, making an intentional effort of like drawing all of them together Sunday to Sunday in, in, in not in a forced way, but just to help remind where we've been. And so today I took, um, I took the cue from last Sunday with like, I, cause I emphasized in my homily last week with the, the burning bush that Moses was sent on mission. He was sent back to Egypt. And so then I, I asked the question, you know, if we're, if we're also to experience God's glory, uh, and then to be sent out into the world, well, what role does joy play in that? So mm-hmm. my homily was a lot about joy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said that joy has two roles to play. One is like the good news can't be preached well if we can't do so with joy. Uh, and and so I entertained that for a little bit of what is it like to receive good news from someone who's so sour? Like it doesn't make sense, you know? Um, and then the other side of the coin, I talked about the joy of the father in the prodigal son story that uh, God's joy that receives us whenever we mess up, you know, on the mission and we fall and exhorting people to go to confession. Um, and yeah, and it was good. It was good. And it wasn't too long. I, I'm still staying under the 10 minute mark, which I'm, I'm proud of. <laughs> I, I don't want to get too far beyond that. Yeah. Well, I, and it, I think that that, um, that theme is continue, continued on in this, this week's reading, you know, this idea that we can get so caught up in the law that we forget, um, kind of what we're what we're doing here (laughs) yeah like it's not about pointing fingers and it's not about you know being it's not about pretending that you are perfect when we are not right right it's about going forth sinning no more being a new creature (laughs) yeah no this is another one of those uh so the woman caught in adultery is another one of those sort of standalone texts that I'm finding one of the things that I struggle with with the gospel uh, from the past couple of weeks and the first reading, et cetera, like I'm having a hard time connecting any of them really in my preaching. I don't really seem to go well together often. So I've been picking one or the other to preach on. Um, And so like preaching on the prodigal son, I just kind of ignored the first reading. It doesn't really (laughs) seem to have anything to do. And similar this week, like with uh, the woman caught in adultery, it's like that's a whole text that you can just spend the entire time on. Um that I don't really know how to fit it into anything else. But I, I, I like your emphasis on 
yeah, if you follow suit with that uh, emphasis and, and that call to conversion from the prodigal son, it's like, okay, when you mess up, like, and you will mess up, how is it the Lord invites you to conversion and saying, you know, go and sin no more. It's not just like, I love you and forgive you, but it's also like, hey, you shouldn't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think it's, I read this first reading as, you know, the Lord opens the way and, you know, there's lots of things that get in, get in the way, um, you know, and it's also up to us to actually walk, walk through the way, uh, yeah. to walk the way. Um, and, and I think that's kind of the message of this, of this woman caught in adultery, you know, like, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Nope. Yeah. Neither do I condemn you. Go, uh, and from now on, do not sin anymore. Like, there's two things here, right? Who's condemning you? Well, nobody, because God <laughs> is the one that judges us. Um, and go and sin no more. Like he's, there's a command there to, to, to live a life different than the way that you've been living now. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Actually, yeah, no, that's good. And, and, uh, and St. Paul kind of, I love the way that St. Paul is almost like a mediator, um, not a mediator. Uh, um, he kind of brings it down and it's like, okay, it's not like I've already taken hold of this perfect maturity. Not even that I ever will, but I continue my pursuit and hope that I may possess it since I have indeed been taken possession of by Christ Jesus. Like yeah, it's about, yeah. again, like I was saying earlier, it's about that journey of uh, 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 that ascent of the mountain, if you will. Yeah, um, no, for sure. Yeah. As I was reading, uh, as I was reading Philippians, I mean, the thought not to be polemical, but the, the, what, the thought that kept running through my mind is how can you read Philippians and not, and not, and, and still think like, well, once saved, always saved. Like there's no, process to this like the way that all the language here in philippians is you know i continue my pursuit and hope and Mm -hmm. uh, that i may possess it straining forward to what lies ahead i continue my pursuit toward the goal the prize of god's upward calling it's like that language is not about like well you know i've been saved and so yeah done and done you know um it's this journey and process and i appreciate that like you're right like this this lenten journey is kind of a micro uh, cosm of like our Lent, our whole journey, you know, mm-hmm. towards the mountaintop and towards resurrection to persevere in that. Um, another thing you, you were saying that kind of caught my attention from the first reading, and I and I kind of now regret saying that the first reading has nothing to do with the gospel, because uh, the first reading says, remember not the events of the past, yeah. the things of long ago, <laughs> consider not, see I am doing something new. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, that's, that's the definition of like, yeah conversion and forgiveness. Exactly, exactly. You know, and kind of what you were talking about with that second, with like this, the way that people can sometimes misunderstand and misinterpret Christianity, uh, I think comes from this gospel of the woman caught in adultery. It's like, see, we don't have to worry about those old laws. We don't have to worry about any of that. Just know that you're fine. You do you. Uh, Jesus doesn't condemn you. I don't condemn you. Go, go forward. Go forward. It's like, well, that's a, a gross misunderstanding of what's going on. And, and I think that's, you know, there is a, a, a new creation. Obviously, that's what we've been talking about for a couple of weeks now, but there's still that mm-hmm. that journey, that struggle. Yeah, yeah. That fight that we have to fight. <laughs> absolutely. The Lord has I done great I... things for us. Yeah, we are filled with joy, absolutely. Although they go forth weeping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I would say, well, you know, just looking at that line of, see, I'm doing something new. I, I often think about... Uh, that's also in Revelation that mm-hmm. behold, I make all things new. And I don't think I ever really connected it to this passage in Isaiah. Uh, and it's a really beautiful, a beautiful exhortation to reflecting on how 
if we want to keep exhorting people, for example, to go to confession, it's what are you afraid of that uh, the Lord sees in you something new, you know, here and don't be afraid of that. Like even the, the verse before the gospel, even now says the Lord return to me with a whole heart for I am gracious and merciful. He doesn't say, you know, come render accounts so that I may dole out your punishment. Um, he says, no, I'm gracious and merciful. And God is of course just as well. Uh, but I think especially in this time of conversion, God wants to do something new in you, especially, I think, you know, one of the things that you hear a lot in confession is about habitual sin and, getting stuck in ruts and mm-hmm. not being able to overcome uh, yeah. temptations or addictions. And it's like, okay, don't lose hope though. Like all this language in St. Paul is all about hope. I continue my pursuit in hope, straining forward to what lies ahead. Everything is looking forward. I continue my pursuit toward the goal. And that hopefulness is what I what I find in the confessional to be most uh, alarming is when someone is hopeless. Yep. It's like, it's like that's that's the antithesis of the gospel is that we've never been taught to hope uh, to lose hope you know um, absolutely and so yeah there, there's a lot there's a lot going on in these readings I think that could maybe make a whole homily around hope if if Latari Sunday was about joy maybe this is the mm-hmm. one about hope yeah I mean that's something that I tell people almost every single time in the confessional is that look the fact that struggle is happening is actually a good thing because you know that you're striving for something. Mm. The moment that there's no more struggle is when you really need to worry (laughs) because you've given up that hope. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. The fact that you're struggling is itself a sign that you are making progress, you know? Or at least that you're aiming in the right direction, you know? Uh, The the moment you start going with the current and you don't struggle against it is the moment that you've already kind of lost the battle. You know, and it's it's an interesting thing when we start, and I don't want to, diminish the very real struggle of of addiction and you know people that are just caught in that cycle um but i do think that there is a level of and again speaking from my for myself and my own experience of saying well you know i'm just kind of in a rut or i'm just you know blah right now in a funk whatever i wonder how much of an how much how often that's actually just an excuse Hmm. because it's easier to not do anything. Yeah. It's easier to not walk through the that pain of uh of that journey of that pilgrimage that God is calling us to. Yeah. Yeah. to walk. Well, yeah. Maybe another way of saying that is how much of like addictive behavior is 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 uh is made worse by avoidance or maybe it's an indication mm-hmm. of like I'm avoiding something. Mm-hmm. Um because you're right, like we don't want to make light of people uh, and their struggle with addiction, but you're right, like I can make excuses for myself because I'm really avoiding something else. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'll often ask myself or ask people in the confessional, what's what's behind this behavior? Like what's behind this? Why do you keep reaching for this fruit, this fruit that does not satisfy? Uh, what, it, what is it that you're avoiding? What is it that you are afraid of? Because something is going on under the surface, mm-hmm. you know, and... And that's an important question to ask because I think part of getting stuck in that rut is like I'm I'm not dealing this on the level of uh you know of something deeper that may be going on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, good. Yeah, no, this is great. I I wonder if there's uh, something more to be said about the gospel. You know, with uh, the men who stand and you know the casting of the stone and all that. I I keep remembering from the from the scene in the Passion uh, from Mel Gibson. Like I remember this scene very vividly because you see the men throwing their stones down um, as a very a very striking image. I think, and so these this would be a kind of gospel where I would wonder 
uh, how often we put ourselves in the place of the woman, but we probably stand more likely with the men, you know, <laughs> yeah. in in the background. So that might be another twist to this uh, parable, is to is that or this story, this encounter, is to ask how many of us are the quick ones to to condemn those who are who are really stuck in that rut or mm-hmm. are incapable of getting out of that yeah. uh, for whatever reason. Maybe an exhortation to compassion. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting. This is very much a reality, I think, in Catholic circles, for sure. You know, we get so caught up in the rules, uh, especially during a season like Lent, where, you know, it's very clear, you you can do this, you can't do that. Well, sometimes I can do this, sometimes I, you know, it's like we're getting way, way, way lost in the weeds and forgetting why we're doing this. It's right. not so that we can be, you know, perfect uh, interpreters of the law, or we can be the ones that are casting, you know, those stones, because <laughs> this other person is doing it wrong, uh, mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. we can walk with Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And the rules are there. I don't want to say we shouldn't have these rules or canon law or anything like that. Those are there to facilitate that path, that journey. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if they're not doing that, then we're probably misinterpreting it. (laughs) Right, right. The, uh, the adage, you know, that, that law exists for the sake, like to, to make freedom possible. Mm -hmm. Like the law exists to help make freedom flourish, not the opposite. Uh, true freedom, you know, to allow us to flourish in in the freedom that we enjoy, rather than just seeing it as a restriction, you know. Yeah. Uh, and Jesus here, he bends down to write something down. Like there's, he is the one who is the author of the law, just like God writes with his finger the laws on the tablets, like that. Jesus, as the lawgiver, still here and here the law of mercy or the law of forgiveness. Uh, like if that's not the rubric that we use to measure all of the law of the church and all of the law of the scriptures, then we might be misinterpreting it. Like there's a, there's an interpretive key there, which is that, that verse before the gospel again, like I am gracious and merciful. And so if anything we read in the scriptures and we're like, God is mean and merciless. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like, wait a minute, hold on. We got to read the whole picture here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We got to see the whole picture and the whole picture. Maybe there are nuances there in our experience where we might feel that God's mercy is unfair, mm-hmm. but no, it's precisely his mercy that is just. You know, um, yeah, yeah, that's just a thought too. Yeah, and I think that's a, it's an interesting way to bring, you know, to usher in this Holy Week, certainly when we're, um, you know, going through some serious uh, uh, passion readings and, and lots of liturgical stuff. But like, what's this for? It's not just so that we can endure through super long liturgies and, you know, whatever. It's so that we can rejoice, we can, we can shout out on Easter Sunday. Yeah, um, absolutely. Totally. Hey, one last thought uh, for me. I, I We haven't mentioned this from Philippians, but this uh, this this passage from Philippians uh, did strike me a little bit in terms of the relationship we have to the things of the world. Um, mm-hmm. That I mean, he's very adamant. I've accepted the loss of all things, and I consider them all to be rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having any righteousness of my own based on the law. And I just thinking about indifference, thinking about detachment, thinking about disordered attachments and how Lent is precisely trying to get us to detach a little Mm -hmm. bit from those things. And so there might be another sort of call to action here of asking, you know, a good test as to whether or not my commitment to Jesus is as authentic as it could be is to ask if I if I could say this about all of my stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, which isn't to say that God wants you to have nothing. Right. right, He doesn't want you to have attachments to those things over him. Exactly. Like I would consider all of it rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. It's and that's unfortunately that's not a a nuance that people 
well, I shouldn't say that people don't get, but that I think well, is... I think often I don't. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, lose sure. that sometimes. Yeah, pointing the finger at myself here. Um, that it's not just about things. Right, It's right. Again, it's easy to focus on those things. Mm-hmm. It's easy to focus on the law. It's easy to focus on, you know, et cetera. It's not easy well, to focus actually, on Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or in the case of the adulterous woman, and I'll end with this, is that the adulterous woman, instead of seeing, instead of seeing a woman... Mm-hmm. They saw a case study. Yep. Yep. And, they saw it's, sin. It's like, oh my when God. When they should have seen a human being. <laughs> I was like, how horrible is that? It's like, all right, Jesus, here's a case study. And this woman probably naked in the street. I mean, like this is his horrible encounter. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of seeing her dignity, they just saw a chance to trap Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cool, man. All right. Any parting thought from you? That's it. Go pray. All right, dude. Till next time.